What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate podcast presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is myself and Matt DiStefano breaking down this week in football. We take a look at the third college football playoff ranking poll. We talk about how the Pac-12 is basically dead and what USC and the other contenders can do to try to make the playoffs, including the top four. We then dive into the NFL. We look at the Eagles' first loss to the Commanders this past Monday night, as well as the Birds game in Indianapolis this weekend. We also look at the rest of the NFL slate. Vikings, Cowboys, and plenty more. This one was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you all think. As always, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. Search the bullpen cart wherever you get your pods. ThunderBLG is the handle on Twitter, Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. But enjoy this week's episode. Enjoy the football this weekend. And here we go. Welcome to this weekend's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Matty D. How are you? Good, man. Doing good. Um, you know, kind of a down week with the uh, whole Monday night debacle. But, um, you know, kind of gearing back up and remembering that the last four or five times the Eagles started 8-1, they won either the NFL championship or the Super Bowl. Fun fact for you. Now you know. Well, they've, so, been, they've been to the NFL been to, championship me, I'm sorry, the Super Bowl. I'm sorry. It is the I'm last sorry. four. That, yes. Two of the last four, they've won it all. 1960, they yes. won the NFL championship. And yes, obviously, yes, 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 yes. 2017 won the Super Bowl. But then went to the Super Bowl in 1980. When all four teams in Philadelphia went to, the, to their respective championships. People forget that. And then obviously 2004, when they lost to the Patriots. But yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, licked some wounds this week. But uh, yeah, it was bound to happen. We will jump yes. into the Eagles, though. Um, we'll talk about the loss. We'll talk about the signings, you know, all the exciting news. We both were fired up. We saw each other not once but twice over the weekend because Monday night, even though we worked Monday, you know, Monday night was basically a part of the weekend. Sunday night, we were both fired up about college football. Matt, before we jump into the rankings, it's finally time. Crown him dead. Pac-12 is dead. We're so happy. I'm so happy. Well, are they dead? So, what's funny? And let's just let's not bury the lead. Top four didn't change. Tennessee is still fifth. They've not moved back into their spot. LSU now sixth. USC seventh, which, okay, not dead yet. And there's a fair reason for that. They play UCLA and Notre Dame, both ranked teams, for their final two games. But they need help. They would need basically... TCU needs to lose, and then presumably they'd get the Michigan-Ohio State law, law, loser gets knocked out and they get the four seed? Is that what you're thinking here? Yes. So I'm thinking that they're not – wait, well, let me rephrase that. What I mean they're not dead is that they're the only Pac-12 team that now has a really legitimate path to the college football playoff, right? Because Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, and even theoretically Alabama – might have an angle in. So three SEC teams are in. 99% chance that one of the two Big Ten teams is in, right? 
And then TCU is the only other team. I guess Clemson could theoretically climb back from, from an ACC perspective, but I think there's too many teams now in front of them and not enough games remaining unless every team just lost this weekend, which won't happen, right? So anyway, I say that because USC has has a path, right? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. If, it really depends on how the committee sees Tennessee versus, um, versus USC. That, that, that to me is the big one because – Right now, Georgia LSU on a path to play each other in the SEC championship game, right? One of those two teams, if LSU loses, Georgia's in. I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying there's a path. There's a lot to go here because to your point, now that you think about it, right? Well, Georgia loses to LSU, do they do they get in over Tennessee? I would argue yes, right? Because they, they have them. one loss. They beat them, right? And right. And so that that's probably going to happen. If TCU falters, they're out. So if they lose a game, right, which they probably – we won't, but they could lose the Big 12 championship game. They probably drop out of the rank. I don't know. There's just there's just a path. I, I think USC could jump LSU. I don't know if USC can jump Tennessee. Well, so here's the interesting thing, right? To your Clemson, UNC, you didn't mention them, but both of them are in the same boat of this. They both have one loss. They both lost to Notre Dame. So it's basically... If Notre Dame beats USC, it opens the door for their... Uh, no, USC lost to Utah. No, UNC, North Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. My fault. The, Go presumable, ahead. the presumed ACC championship game, both of those teams lost to Notre Dame. And, um, you know. I missed you there. Sorry about that. No, no, you're fine. Like, UNC, USC, yeah. they, they sound it's similar. Close. The listeners might have the same issues. Apologies. Not the best pronunciations. We know that. Um, UNC being 13th makes sense because they've had some close calls. Obviously, Clemson, we've given them their – their jabs but um yeah so to your point though of usc versus tennessee of tennessee plays south carolina this weekend they then um i don't even have their last game in front of me who they play on on the weekend oh they play AM. um i think they play in AM. regardless yeah so if they go 11 or yeah if they go 11 and 1 usc goes 12 and 1 they run the table through this they beat UCLA, they beat Notre Dame, and then whoever they play in the Pac-12 championship, the Pacific 12 championship. I've determined they've lost the nickname. They have to be called Pacific 12 now. Um, right now, it would be Oregon, but there's a four-way tie for the second-place spot, which is all sorts of shambles. People thought there might be a five-way tie and all the crazy things, which still could happen if UCLA beats USC this weekend in their final game in the Pac-12. It's just crazy to think about all the different scenarios that can happen here. Do I think that if they're, you know, in the end of the road, USC runs the table, do I think they should be in over Tennessee? It really depends on what happens everywhere else. Presumably those two spots would be filled by those two. I'd rather see a champion get in than, say, Michigan. I think if Michigan loses to Ohio State, I just don't think they're, you know, as a one-loss team, especially with how hard the committee has been on Clemson, how hard they would be. On, t- on TCU if they if they were to lose. I just don't think Michigan would get in. Ohio State's kind of different because Notre Dame's been so good, especially, or at times has been so good. But if they, especially if they beat USC, then that really bolsters Ohio State's, you know, early season wins and non-conference stuff. So it gets really interesting there in terms of who could occupy really the Michigan-Ohio State spot because it's TCU's to lose there. We know that one spot's yeah. going to open up, right? 
Right, well, I think, uh, yes, uh, uh, maybe, right? Somebody put it that way. So I think I think I figured out USC's path. Georgia has to win. That's critical yeah. for USC. Georgia has to win. Right? Georgia wins. Georgia wins. LSU's out, okay? It, assuming, obviously, Michigan and Ohio State don't, they can't even tie, so it doesn't even make sense. So because they can't tie, assuming that the one of them loses, they drop out of the rank, out of the top four, right? And if TCU loses, Tennessee would go to three, and then USC, because they win the Pac-12, would go into the rankings, would be fourth. So that's their avenue. You have to assume that the the committee would say, yep, uh, if – I'm I'm just going to say the way I want it to happen. If Ohio State loses by a field goal, right, and it only loses to Michigan – they're gonna, but they're gonna say that because USC won the Pac-12 and Ohio State didn't get that extra victory, that's why, that's why they're in over Ohio State. And you're assuming that they'd also do the same for Tennessee, not winning a conference. TCU would basically lose in a Big 12 championship game at this point. So there is an avenue for USC to get in. Um, I don't think they have the ability to jump Tennessee, but it will come down to assuming they win the Pac-12. Does the committee recognize? being a champion of your conference over anything else because the records are the same. Um, I don't know. That's a good, you know, it's a good question. The problem is like USC has one loss against a ranked team in Utah, but Tennessee has a better loss. And theoretically Ohio state, Michigan would have a better loss as well. Correct. So the committee could legitimately put, if Ohio state, Michigan play close, they could, they could actually keep, they could keep both teams. I'm not saying they will. I'm not saying I think they should, but they could. Yeah, you're right. So they could. It's not a guarantee. Yeah. It's not like Tennessee, who I think Tennessee's in. At this point, I think Tennessee makes it, you know, because Michigan and Ohio State play each other. Yeah, so, it's hard to it's yeah. hard to say that of like they like there, there's the two sides of the coin, right? Like they didn't look very good against Georgia, but they've looked incredible against everybody else, including the number six team that they whomped upon. And they beat Alabama, who's in the top ten. Like they have wins over two top ten teams currently. So, like, they have, you know, they're buying in that, especially the fact that they're fifth, that if anybody is to lose, they go in. Now, TCU's in an interesting position because they play Baylor this weekend. Like, technically a rivalry game, I guess. Um, I'm just thinking of the 2014 season. But then it, it, we really don't know who they would presumably face off with. Right now it's either Kansas or Kansas State or Oklahoma State. But, like, there could be some back roads in there of how, how this all could happen. Texas is in the mix. Baylor, if they win, would kind of be in the mix. It's very interesting in how on who they end up playing. And at this point, they want, I, I guess, Kansas State because they're the highest ranked team, right? To just give yourself a better, a better record. But like at that point, you got to go thirteen and zero. You can't be twelve and one if they lose the Big Twelve championship. It's the same thing as Oklahoma State last year. They could have made the playoff if they had won, but they lost. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think we can agree. TCU has to win out. This, I mean, this to me is where the 16 playoff, we talked about this a little bit last week, right? But like right now, if the season ended, I do think the best six teams would be in the playoff right now today. Yeah. Right? Like the best six. Now, and even if one of those, like, and I think that this is why it makes sense. You would argue that Michigan and Ohio State have been so dominant this year against their opponents, whoever they may have played. And remember, both have wins over Penn State, who's at 11. Yep. So like, they're not slouches at all. Um, by the way, uh, everyone's crushing Michigan's early season schedule, but, uh, you can now bowl eligible. UConn's bowl eligible, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ohio state gets a little credit for playing Notre Dame. They were obviously much higher when they played him, but I guess the point is at the end of the day, you know, I think both of those teams, if there was a 16 playoff are, are probably in. 
Yeah, I would think so. Like, I mean, right. Like almost a lock right now. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the, but, the ultimate chaos scenario, we obviously have to get there in a couple weeks, would be LSU winning the, the SEC because we've never had a two loss team in there. We've had plenty they of would two be loss in, teams. They, they would be in. They would right? be in. I mean, that's pretty You think they would state, be the first right? one yeah. if they were to win, which would then, you know, throw off everything with Tennessee. It would throw off everything with, you know, a lot of different shit. But we have to obviously get there. But it's going to be really interesting. We have some good games. I mean, we mentioned it. We have USC UCLA this weekend, and you know that's that's kind of it, right? I mean, we have some other decent games, but that's really what. Aside from uh, us looking forward to the Lehigh Lafayette game, we don't really have any other yes, sir. outstanding games on the schedule. My wife well, would kill me if I didn't you mention Michigan. Well, you thought Michigan Illinois would be a big game. But Illinois dropped the, you dropped a couple games, so now they're suddenly unranked, right? Like that that hurts. That was probably the other marquee matchup. But they lost to Michigan State and Purdue in back to back weeks, right? So they yeah. go from being a, a, a teens ranking at, at worst to kind of falling all the way off the ladder. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, my wife would kill me if I didn't mention the game we're going go to, uh, Delaware Villanova, another rivalry game. But mm-hmm. Leal, the big one. Yeah. yeah, the big one. Yeah, that's the big one. Almost 160 yeah. games. But um, yeah. You know, it'll, it'll be fun, but, you know, this is, uh, you mentioned it. There's a lot of other stuff going on. I did, because we mentioned it last week, the Coach's Classic. I watched that this week inadvertently because the Flyers were stuck on ESPN+. And I've talked about trying to stream on my television, and it's terrible. I watched the, the rankings live. I think it's the first non-Sunday one that I've watched since the last Coach's Challenge or Coach Champions Challenge for college basketball, which uh, it's feast week. That's great. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that's that's the update on the the Jordy TV can we, situation. Can, can we just discuss kind of how kind of ma this year's Heisman race is? Yeah, that's actually a really good point because there's like there's different like there's obviously the front runners, the CJ Strouds of the world. You know, um, Tennessee's quarterback I think has thrown himself in there pretty well, and then I mean, there's like okay. different guys yeah. that have big weeks that are like, oh yeah, put him in for the Heisman, and it's like, yeah. how have we not had like you know a crop that aside from the big two, jump ahead. Well, I mean, I think the one problem I have is, and look, I, I'm not just, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but like Stroud, again, has like what big games has he won this year, right? If you watched the Ohio State-Penn State game, Ohio State's defense won that game, yeah. right? The defensive end was all over the place. Like Stroud wasn't great, right? And he's also throwing to these elite receivers. And then you've got Hooker, who's had his big, big moments, but his Heisman moment, was an Alabama win set the stage, but then he really did not play well against Georgia. That hurts him. You've got May, the guy from UNC, but he's just racking up stats. He's not playing in the big enough marquee matchups. And then, you know, probably the, the next crop would be, you know, it's all quarterbacks, obviously, except for one, which I'll get to, but Caleb Williams for USC. But because I mean, we haven't seen him on TV because of what he plays, which is always a bummer. You know, hopefully some bigger games people will tune in. Um, but the guy that, is kind of sneaking around as Blake Corum for Michigan. He's had a wonderful season for them, but him, Stenson Bennett is also floating around too. But it's just like, it's like another year where a bunch of quarterbacks put up a ton of stats. Like yeah. where are the highlights, right? Where are the highlights? Even like Tim Tebow won a Heisman and I'm not a huge Tebow guy, but God, you remember the plays that he made, right? Well, Tim Tebow and, in college was just, he's like him and Cam Newton. They were just otherworldly when they were right. that dominant. Right. But even other Heisman winners, they, they had, they had big big moments and big games, 
Now, maybe it's going to happen, right? Stroud's, Stroud and Corum are going to go head to head. That that could be a huge, you know, that's huge. That's a huge deal. Um, Benson's, you know, Stenson Bennett's going to go up, you know, against LSU. That's going to be a huge moment for him. So there's option, there's opportunities for some of these guys, but it just seems like, oh, yep, got to put up a bunch of stats and touchdowns. Like how, I guess my question is this, we always talk about the rankings and how you shouldn't look in the past. I almost want to look in the past when it comes to Heisman's because again, it doesn't seem to matter who you put at quarterback for Ohio state or for Alabama or honestly, what running back you put in the backfield for Michigan. They're going to put up huge numbers every year. Yeah. Is that, does that mean they're the most valuable? To me, Hooker deserves more praise. He's taken a dead Tennessee team, right? Not dead, but a Tennessee team that hadn't been ranked in the top 10 in a decade, it feels like, and got them all the way to, to number one. Or, or Caleb Williams, who transferred, but went to USC, which literally didn't make a bowl last year and has them, you know, how, so they seem more valuable than a CJ Stroud or a Blake Corum, to be honest with you. I don't know, just kind of a, a lackluster uh, Heisman race this year in my mind. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, I think I think at the end of the day, we've gotten we've gotten some good Heisman winners, right? Out of the last couple of years, last couple come from Alabama. But you know, it's I don't know. It's what it's one of those things. I'm trying to look up the uh, player futures. Here we go. Heisman winner, yeah. C.J. Stroud is almost even money, plus one t- plus one ten. Hendon Hooker plus three sixty, Derek May five fifty, Blake Corum at six hundred, Caleb Williams at twelve hundred, Setson Bennett at fourteen hundred. Then we get into some of the serious uh, long shots here. Max Dugan Duggan at plus six thousand, Jalen Daniels eight thousand, then Bryce Young and Bonex at ten thousand plus ten thousand each. So uh, yeah, it seems like it's Stroud to lose. I, I guess that's a good point though of just like elite talent around you. And obviously we saw Devonte Smith win the Heisman a couple years ago where, you know, he was just that good, even with a good receiving core around him. But, you know, it, I guess it's one of those things though, of just like, you're on the big stage, you're performing, you're, you know, you're doing what what's expected of you. I guess a boring Heisman race, you know, I think with trying to, trying to be more prepared, like, cause obviously the NFL's adapted the spread offense and everything. So there isn't as much of like, the, you know, Marcus Mariota year that he won of where like the spread was still kind of in the wild west, literally in, in the Pac-12, the Pacific 12, excuse me. Um, but like still he, what he was doing was, was otherworldly. And then go back 15 years ago, Tim Tebow, what he was doing and just being that big of a fucking unit. And then Cam Newton basically did the same thing. Not, not the same stat levels of that, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting point that you bring up there. i Love to ask somebody who votes of what they look for there. And if it is just that kind of, you know, it's yours until it's not kind of situation. Cause I think that's what you're getting after. Yeah. I, I would love to know the voting thoughts here, right? Like that would be, that would, I would be curious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me, let me give you an example of a guy that, that maybe would be like um, Marvin Harrison Jr. has been just unreal for Ohio State. Their other big name receiver. Smith, I think it's Smith Njubo has been hurt like all year. And Harrison, every time I turn the I turn on the highlight, it's, it's Harrison catching a ball, right? Like that, that to me is like what I remember of all these moments for these other guys. And again, it's not a, I feel like I'm taking a shot at CJ Strata. It's not just because I'm not an Ohio State guy, but all he seems to do is just throw touchdown passes. 
but that's all any Ohio State quarterback side for the past 10 years. And that's because they're a really good team. Yeah. But, you know, where's his spinning? Stenson Bennett, I would argue, had that diving touchdown against Tennessee. That's a bigger moment than Stroud's had all year. Now he's dominating the competition, right? Maybe that's why. But again, it's tough because every Ohio State quarterback of the past 10 years has pretty much dominated the competition. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Like that's it's just, I'm trying to grasp it, I guess, is, you know. Does Bo Nix get some positivity because Oregon literally lost because he got hurt for like one series? (laughs) To me, he should. I mean, I mean, but again, he's not even on the list, dude. Yeah, he's not even on the list. I know. I I was just making that joke because we kind of buried the lead of of the good games. And literally, it's because he went out that that Washington got some life back into him and went down and tied that Mm -hmm. game. That game was awesome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know you were you were off uh, exploring the the Hudson Valley golf scene, but that game was. I think I texted you Hudson Valley, by the way, just for anyone listening. It's Hudson National. That's ah, my bad. Okay. Just so you know, Hudson National. Great well, spot. You were in the Hudson Valley region play. of the United States. I was. Era. That's I'm not. It wasn't a lie. Right. Yeah. Where I was. But yeah, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. That's all good. <laughs> um, well, any final college thoughts before we go over to the birds? Yeah, I mean, you, it's funny because even though the Pac-12 is close to dead, they have the two best games this weekend. They do. You've got Utah and Oregon, and you mentioned USC and UCLA. So it's probably the best football, college football you're going to catch this weekend. You know, I do think Michigan needs to pay attention. Illinois is not a pushover. They may have lost two in a row. It's almost the worst thing that could have happened, right? If they had, I almost wish they hadn't lost. They had one loss. They'd be coming into this game thinking they're hot stuff. Um, so Michigan needs to pay attention. But, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. They just, just, Jim, get your people together. Okay, lock it in. That's all I'm saying. Well, you're saying that because the Eagles' defense certainly didn't do that on Monday night. Yes, sir. We can dive right into this debacle that happened yeah. on Monday night. Uh, By the way, oh, go ahead, go, go, go. Well, I was gonna say they started off. The defense started off great. They got a they got an early turnover. Eagles were up seven nothing, and then uh, yeah, it didn't go that great after that. I, the refereeing. I'm gonna start here real quick because I want to get this out of the way. They missed the blatant face mask, right? That got Dallas got hurt. That's yes, really the and, the and created a, created a turnover. They got a ticky tacky pass pass uh, uh, roughing the passer call, which by rule is is a penalty. They didn't to me. They didn't have a an amazing game, but Jason Kelsey was actually on his podcast with his brother, which is a great listen if you if anyone's it is. ever interested. It's great. The clips and that are, Jason that said, are all great. "Yeah, he said that's a loser's mentality, right?" And he's right because it shouldn't have ever been that close against this team, right? This isn't this isn't the, the Chiefs and the Eagles like battling it out for supremacy, right? This is a under five hundred backup quarterback Commanders team that has missing their best defensive player, and you know has a couple guys that I like, but this is this is the fourth place team in the division on a showcase Monday night game. I'm not mad we lost at the end of the day. I, I'm mad we lost to a bad team, right? You want to go lose to a good team. Um, but we did not play well. The defense got shredded all game with these long 10-plus plus play drives where they couldn't stop anybody on third down. And I, you know, the run game is getting a lot of crap, and they're right. I mean, they gave up too many yards to Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. But at the same time, the pass defense didn't step up. They didn't get the pressure, especially in that first half no. when they needed to. Darius Slade did not play well. And that's no. – he does – look – if anybody deserves an offline on defense, it's been Darius Slay. He's been awesome for this team. But he was not covering McLaurin like I expected. 
And they kept going to McLaurin. He McLaurin made all the catches for them. Anybody yep. else maybe had one or two. He was their guy. You got to shut him down somehow. Um, what was uh, weird? Yeah. So, on the defensive side of things, and you hit the nail on the head. I think we'll talk about the signings in, in a few minutes here, but you can tell that not having the depth that the Eagles have had for most of the season and various injuries crept up on them because I think they, you know. They looked a little gas in the run game, but the pass defense, I think you're exactly right. There were a lot of plays that Slay's either in this, you know, playing like kind of off man to man type yeah. type of mm-hmm. playing of like he's setting up weird and like maybe trying to tip him to go one way or the other. But if you're trying to do that, and a lot of the times it was he was setting up outside, McLaurin would do these quick slants. There was no one inside. What the hell is going on there? There was no no calls where a linebacker's hanging out, being a spy. If you're going to do these, like, weird, like, almost, like, it's that shell defense that that uh, Troy Aikman loves to point out on almost every Monday night broadcast. But, like, it was almost that, but with nothing in the middle of it. There was nothing protecting. The, the, the shell was protecting the inside of. You're not doing anything. There was a meme I saw on Tuesday that was Jonathan Gannon's passing passing defense plan. And it was just cover five from Madden. It was that play. And it was exactly that. Yeah. Just you'd mm-hmm. see these like take three step back things, and the guy's completely you're completely lost him. And I'm fine with you calling mix of zone man type of shit, but it seemed like everybody was on a completely different page. And mainly the fact, like however many plays that I saw right in front of me, what it was mainly McLaurin, but there were a couple too. Antonio Gibson had a couple where he cut up the middle either through screen passes or through just going up the middle, where you're letting up an extra three or four yards because guys are just nowhere near the play. And I have no idea yeah. where that calling's coming from because two weeks ago we were praising Jonathan Gannon saying he, he turned his job around. And now I'm saying this guy sucks again. <laughs> well, that's, that's overreaction. I know it is, you it's know, week loss. by week in the NFL. Yeah. No, no. And I, I think, you know, a couple of things. I mean, clearly we got a little out game plan now coached on the, on the defensive side of the ball, right? No adjustments. Maybe, maybe there that's was the problem. No adjustments. Right. Well, although the second half, we, we certainly were better in the second half. Sure. Um, overall, right? Forget the end score, right? That yep. was because of a late yeah, lateral Yeah, because of the, the late sweeping score. Yeah, yeah. It was a one-possession game. We tightened up in the second half. I will say this. I'm a big Jake Elliott guy. I think he's super consistent. But he has – since that, that huge kick way back in the day, he doesn't, hasn't, he doesn't make the 58-yard field goals that we saw Joey Sly make at the end of the court. That's a, that was a total game changer to have them have the lead 17 to 14 going into half kind of deflated everything. Right. Well, it was 2014. It was like, that was to extend it. The kick. Uh, I thought they got a field goal early in the third quarter. I thought it was 17, 14 and a half ton. Tell me I'm it wrong. Was, it was, I'm looking at it now. It was 20 to 14. He kicked two field goals. Okay. The 58 okay. yarder was to make it 2014 at halftime. With those field goals, even that. Okay. I'll give you that. I, I, he had, I he, had, uh, he had four field goals, two of which were 55 yards plus. Right. So we, our defense kind of, like I said, in the second half, I felt like our defense did stiffen up a little bit. They got a little bit of pressure. Um, they tightened up a little bit. And then the offense fumbled the game away, literally. Twice. You know, and, yeah. and really the one that hurts more is the Quez Watkins fumble because it was a big play. We were driving in their, in their, we were in their territory. We were almost in the red zone. Yeah. And he finally, he finally makes a big play. That's, that was a killer for us. But, you know, I thought we got away from running the ball a little bit. I thought that was a mistake. So, you know, well, the, it wasn't the, our best The game. deep ball interception in, what was it, the third quarter? Or was it early in the fourth? 
where you know the the safety just made an incredible play. I think it was going oh, to was yes. It going, was it going to AJ Brown? Or was it going to Devontae Smith? But uh, AJ Brown it was going to AJ Brown, and he just arms. ripped it away. Whoever the yeah, safety it was, a great was. Play. it was a great yeah. play by the safety. I thought that was kind of the you like because the defense was playing better. You didn't think that was the game, but that's certainly looking back on it with you know hindsight twenty twenty that you know that was the play because the Eagles were moving the ball and then continued to start to move the ball a little bit and then just little things here and there. I don't hate some of the play calling, although. You know, they still love these screen passes, which I wish they just go... Like, you have A.J. Brown. Use him for a quick slant. Do what Terry McLaurin was doing, because he can easily do that. He's, he did that. Devontae Smith did that the last time that they played this team, and you you kind of ran away from it. And I think you're right with the going away from the run game. I think there was some... Yeah, you know, there was some okay playing, but you, know, you had a grand total of 20 rush calls. That's not great. You know? Yeah, and not nothing for a from team Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts didn't yeah. use his legs at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something this team has really done well, is is that hard run, and, and it moves to the play action a little bit. Oh, so, you know, we just six got rushes, excuse me. Uh, Sorry, we just got out-schemed, though, and it happens in the NFL. This is why this is why the league is, nor- is a parody league, right? That's why teams are so close, um, because these are great coaches. All these coaching staffs are pretty darn good, right? And they're all trying to find a weakness to stop you. So the Eagles' job is now take the tape, right? And so we talk like going to play the Colts, who come off a big emotional win last week with their new head coach, Jeff Saturday, which was a lot of crap about that. We're going. This is a not a must-win game, right? But this is a statement win. If we go out and just beat the Colts, right? Just beat them and say, hey, we had a hiccup last week. We're back, you know. And they they went out and they're going to say, hey, until Jordy Davis comes back. You mentioned this, Jordy. So you started out two low risk signings this week of people that you probably didn't even know were free agents, by the way, to help potentially shore up the middle of the defense. Yeah. I think they're just depth moves, adding in Sue, adding in, um, I'm going to fuck up. Thank you. I was going to fuck up. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're depth moves and hopefully, you know, you've seen that both of them have said they're excited to be here. They're learning the playbook and see them, you know, get mixed in. I'd love to see Robert Quinn get mixed in a little more. We haven't really seen a ton out of him and, and from everything there. So just see like see these guys like really catch up to speed and see what this team, you know, can really do. Because when they finally get back into that groove, and I think you made a really good point of uh, Darius Lay had a bad game. And he's a guy who takes obviously takes it really seriously. He's in the NFL, but like he really fucking loves being here. And I hope, and I'm sure we will see this, him have a big game. Because comparatively, they do not have I know they you know they have Michael Pittman, but you know, Terry McLaurin is, you know, that he's next better. level. Yeah, he's a better player. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, seeing him zone in there, see the rest of the team kind of, you know, lick their wounds and see where they can come back here. You know, this should be an exciting game, a more winnable game, you would think. But, again, it's the NFL, so let's see. Yeah. And and I, and I think it's a good test right away because we're going right to Jonathan Taylor, who has not had the season everyone expected. He had a good week last week, five running. And he's still a top five running back. I think I think the Sue and Joseph signings are to and we also lost the um he's got a very long last name. It's Tula Tula Paiola. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. anyway, he's a USC young guy, another defensive tackle. So you're down Davis and him. You're you're being forced to play an aging Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, who are both still very good players. Hargrave's having a great season, but there's no rotation. And so Sue and Joseph should be able to be a little bit more plug and play 
They're just there to stop the run. Free Hargrave and Cox up to continue to rush the passer. Um, and to your point, just it just gets that depth that we lost with the injuries, especially until Davis comes back. Correct. Um, so I think it's a nice step in the right direction. You know, I think our linebackers who have been playing really well need to step up. Maybe it's time if White and Edwards aren't doing what we want them to do. Do we see a little bit of Kobe Dean? Because we haven't seen a ton of him, right? Right. Which was great. not necessarily, which is kind of part of the plan. But anyway, yeah, I think this is a good. It's a good building. This is a good week this week for us to maybe build a, build some confidence, um, back especially defensively. But granted, we're eight and one. It's not like it's the end of the world here. Exactly. So, week twelve or week eleven, excuse me, in the NFL, underway. We're in the third quarter of the Packers Titans game. Titans up fourteen to six. Second half just starting, Packers have the ball. We talked about the Eagles game, 1 o'clock on, on uh, Sunday. We got some interesting ones on the rest of the slate, Matt. I don't want to call anything bad because a couple weeks ago I said the 1 o'clock slate was terrible and it ended up being awesome. That included the last time <laughs> that we saw the New York Jets. And now they're coming off a big win. The Patriots, they're playing them again in New England Patriots favored once again. The Jets have not beaten the Patriots since 2015. Does Belichick continue the streak, Matt? Yeah. Sorry. I think he does. Yeah. I, I, it's, he's still got a great team. It's Matt Judon, by the way, for the, for the Patriots is playing just wonderful football. So, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think they've, they're doing decent now on offense. They got that running game going with, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris. They've got a couple weapons. Um, but this is also the Jets versus the Patriots. So until I see the Jets beat them, I'm picking the Patriots. It's at it's at New England. And it's kind of a big game, right? Because mm-hmm. New England's not out of the playoff race here at all at five. No, nope, not even close, so, which is wild. Um, yeah, they're not. Yeah. And I also think Zach Wilson, this is, this is a game where New England's great against the run. And Zach Wilson, they're going to make Zach Wilson beat them. And I don't think he can. I didn't didn't like him as the number two overall pick, and I don't like him today. I don't think he's an NFL caliber starting quarterback, um, and I, I think they're. I like a lot of other things the Jets are doing, but they are missing Brees Hall. So, you know, um, yeah, I think I think it's a I think it's a pass win once again. <laughs> yeah, it, what's really interesting about it is that AFC seven seed. The Patriots currently have it. They're tied with in record. With the Chargers and Bengals for for the spot, the Patriots get it on strength of victory. We always hear about strength of schedule, but the strength of victory, which if people want to give the Eagles a lot of shit for being 8-1, the Chargers combined opponents they've beaten, their strength of victory is less than 300, which is... It's, it's very funny, but they have it over. They have eighth place over the Chargers based on conference record, which is the same as New England. Uh, the Bengals are two and three against the AFC, but it becomes very interesting because if the Patriots win, they and the Jets become tied for their spot, currently second place in the AFC East. Right now, all four AFC East teams in the playoffs, but they would then jump the Jets, who have the spot on the Bills based on their win from two weeks ago and the bills are now not playing in Buffalo. They're playing in Detroit because of the thunder snow that is coming through the Buffalo area. Matt, are you bummed that they, that we're not getting another 
Buffalo snow game? Oh yeah, I 100 really percent wanted the three three to six feet of snow. I mean, the memes of how short various running backs were comparatively to the six feet of snow were losing dude, I, that yeah. on its own. I'm 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 devastated. I, I was I was actually like legitimately probably too excited to see it NFL teams play. In and I have the Bills defense and fantasy. Not that anybody cares. Oh, that would have been. But it would have really been like nice. a ten to seven game. It would have been great. Maybe not even ten. No, you, there's no field goals. There would have been like twelve to like twelve to six. Maybe a sa- random safety thrown in there. Oh, it would have been great. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed in the NFL. A bunch of pansies. No fun league. No fun league. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so the rest of the 1 o'clock slate, we get some uh, interesting games. Again, I'm not going to call them bad. Um, we get some under 500 teams playing each other. We get some, quote-unquote, good teams playing under 500 teams. Um, the Giants are only a three-point favorite against the Lions. How do we feel about that? Giants coming off a bye and a loss the last time we saw them. Um I think it shows you that Vegas still isn't sold on this team, right? I mean, they're seven and two. They're a game back in the division, and yet, yeah, they're not sold. I mean, they've got a great win early in the season against the Titans. They beat the Ravens, which was their their other best win. Other than that, they really haven't played anybody, right? Oh, the they're Gi- gonna play. <laughs> the Giants were on a bye last week. They beat the Texans by they eight beat points. The Texans. It's well, that's basically. I'd say it's a bye, but we also struggle a little bit there too. No, I know, yeah. Oh, you know, they're they're going to come through a little bit of a stretch here. The Lions yeah. and their high-powered offense are coming to town, right? And, you know, if they can score points, can the Giants – the Giants are great because Saquon Barkley's good, right? Saquon's great. They're great. Their defense has played better. Can they if, – if the Giants – if I mean, if, the, if Detroit – if it's a shootout, right, can the Giants win? The most points they've scored this year is 27 um that's an interesting question right you know they've been good in close games but if it's a shootout can they hang on they're playing the lines and then their schedules by the way it's about to get tougher they got at the cowboys then they go it's then they have this nfc east stretch cowboys commanders eagles commanders yeah i was gonna point this out that they have not played they've only played one nfc east game they have the fewest in division games in football whereas the colts Mm -hmm. who the eagles are playing have played five division games it is week 11 (laughs) and they've played five division games in the first 10 weeks of the season. It, it is really interesting, and that might be part of it too, is that they haven't had to play the rest of their division where the Eagles and Cowboys have you know, just as good, if not better, records. And, well, the Cowboys don't anymore. But um, but have played their division three times. They've played, you know, the, the Cowboys have played everybody, and the Eagles have played the Commanders twice. But still... You know, maybe that's part of it, you know, who who really knows at that point. But it is a really, really interesting run that you bring up because it's, you know, Thanksgiving Day at the Cowboys, which, you know, we have the Jonas Brothers concert. We get all this <laughs> crazy shit. And then, yeah, it's it's wild. Four straight at NFC East games, two of them at home. I, I really hate the fact, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We've talked about this actually probably a couple different times throughout the season, that the NFL loves to now do the, two, the same opponent – twice in three weeks thing why where do we come up with this concept and why are we sticking to it say again you broke so that up the giants are playing the commanders twice in three weeks december 4th and then potentially december 17th or 18th because it's that weird double flex day because there's no college football right 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 you know we 
we've had this now multiple times this season. The NFL started doing it a couple years ago. There was one point two. I think it was the Steelers and the Browns. One of them had a bye, so they played the same team twice in a row. No. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. Why do we it's come not up the with home, this? It's not the home and home situation. And you're right. It is something that I've seen more. They used to really spread the games out better. They used to, and it, um, it's annoying. And by the way, the, the Cardinals have like one or two. Like they're, they're playing at home, which sucks for the Cardinals, actually, by the way, because they're yeah. way better on the road. But, but like, yeah, yeah I, I've seen some weird stuff. Dude, yeah, they're like the best team in football on the road over the last yeah. like five years. Anyway, um, we ha- I agree. We have seen some kind of strange scheduling. It doesn't. Remember when they used to know, do but, the last three weeks were all divisional games? And I don't, I didn't, nec- I didn't necessarily hate that because it kept you in the division. It felt like you were still a shot in your division a lot, but I also, it's fun to play other stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. Vikings at the Vikings on Christmas Eve. That's uh, I mean, it's home, not primetime Kirk Cousins, but maybe Christmas Eve scares Kirk Cousins. Maybe we oh. get a little uh, Giants upset of the Vikings. There is no team I want to lose more right now than those Vikings. Okay, <laughs> what a tough. We haven't even gotten to this game yet, but what a tough game for me to pick here. Oh yeah, I mean, let's go to yeah, it. Let's, I want to talk about it. The now. rest, the rest of the wait. one o'clock slate isn't great, and I know I said I was going to be positive trash. about it. But it's, no, it's right. you have Just the fucking the best thing out of the Rams Saints game is potentially fantasy or the Eagles getting a better draft pick. Yes, go Rams, baby. <laughs> the Bears Falcons garbage. The we talked about Browns Bills, the Saints and the, the Panthers. That's not great. And then uh, but they command Commanders yeah. and Texans. I mean, I'll, it, I'll tell you what. Even the four o'clock slate though, outside of the game we're going to talk about, I don't know if I'm necessarily sitting here going, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It's you have really a revenge factor. Yeah. You have a revenge factor game with the Bengals and the Steelers. You have sure. a game that everybody thought was going to be really good. That's in not Broncos Raiders, and then another mm-hmm. game that you thought might also be really good in Chiefs Chargers that shouldn't be very good. If it's any good, that's bad for the Chiefs. <laughs> yes, although again, everyone had the Chargers really high going into the season. So, but no, I mean, I, to 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 come back to that, maybe maybe the biggest game of the weekend. Is is that four twenty five Cowboys Vikings game? Yeah, which is somehow Dallas on CBS. Favored, by the way, did you did Jim did Jim Nance like parlay him saying this is his last Final Four into getting a Cowboys game? Probably, maybe. I mean, this is the biggest game of the weekend. It, yes. I mean, it's better. It's better than pretty much anything else. Oh, the Chiefs Chargers on Sunday Night Football. I'm just That's I'm looking way too ahead. Yeah, but still, but still. It's the be- It's the most important game, obviously, for the Eagles because it's their two biggest competitors for the either one seed or the division title. So either the Eagles get, you know, still have their tiebreaker for the for the one seed, or if presumably they win, if they and or they get a three a well, actually, it depends on how the Giants do now, but they get a you know they get a little more of a leg up on the Cowboys because you're more worried about the Cowboys than you are the Giants at this point. So. It's an interesting game. It's one and a half point spread, which tells you if it was neutral side, it'd probably be four and a half. It's it's one of those games where I think really the Cowboys defense is the ultimate X factor here because you have Justin Jefferson, who's looked better and better every week. You have Adam Thielen, who goes in and out. And then that rush attack that Vegas seems to think is going to get stifled by that front seven that Dallas has. And I can't really blame him, to be entirely honest. I'd, I'd love to blame them. And say the Cowboys have fraudulent tendencies, but the defense is why they're six and three, man. Yeah, I mean, the, the offense is like everyone wants Zeke back. I just heard a story, by the way. Tony Pollard gets winded during games. Did you, did you see hear that quote? No, I read I did it. Not see Peter this. King's Peter King's um, 
um, new column. It's not Monday morning quarterback, but Monday morning in America, whatever it is. Um, apparently, yeah, he comes over to the bench and goes, I'm tired. Like, I'd say that's all I got. Whereas Zeke is more of that workhorse back. But they haven't, like, Tony Pollard's been the, their, arguably their best offensive player. Michael Gallup's coming off the ACL. You know, the, the offensive line's not as good. Dak doesn't look as crisp. C.D. Lamb, I know he has a couple plays a game, but I still think he just runs circles instead yeah, of routes. Um, he does. Right. So, no, this defense has been the driver. I mean, M- Micah Parsons is quickly becoming arguably the best defender in the league. Aaron Donald's kind of not had the same normal season. Where Aaron Donald-level season we're used to seeing. He's a one-man game plan wrecker. Um, so, no, I mean, this defense has driven him all the way to this record. And now they're going up, to your point, against a great offense. So that matchup's just just really wonderful. Um, I'm shocked the Cowboys are favored in this game. What am I missing? I think it's it's probably some – I'd love to see what the line opened at because it's probably something where maybe it opened at a pick em. Dallas Money's moved in, moved that line so they, they want to try to get some – yeah. Something on there. I mean, money line is actually kind of sh- shocking for one and a half point game. It's minus one twenty for the Cowboys and plus one hundred for the Vikings. Which I get it; it's an NFL game, so that's probably part of it. Especially where money's probably being moved to. But yeah, I mean, even holy, I mean, a lot of people are betting money on the on both the over and on the Vikings in this one. So it's. At least according to Yahoo's data, but you know we've we've talked about Yahoo being inaccurate sometimes. But so I don't know. It's just a weird game because really it it comes down to what that the Cowboys offense and more importantly what the Vikings defense looks like in this game because the Vikings defense plays that kind of you know spread it out type of thing. We've seen despite the fact that he runs in circles, Ceedee Lamb can make a couple big plays, and every single week we keep. I feel like we say that you know every episode that we're waiting for the Michael Gallup game to happen. You know, if that does go, I mean, this could be a fucking track meet, but, or at least on the Cowboys side of things, but it really does come down to that other side of the ball of how effective can Minnesota's offense be with that front seven? Cause you saw the Cowboys last week of getting smoked by Chris Wat- Watson with Aaron Rodgers finding his new favorite guy and seeing that they kind of let, let the Packers off the hook a little bit here and if their secondary isn't up to snuff there, then Kirk Cousins, you know, 425, not necessarily prime time, but it's all eyeballs are on you, buddy, especially with the close Jim Nance enough. game. Close it's close enough. enough. To prime time. If he's making those plays, though, to Jefferson, if he gets Thielen involved a little bit, or you get that, that stable of Cook and Madison going, you know, that's how, that almost sounds like a street corner. But still, you know, if they can at least get some movement there and have their front, at least their linebacking core guessing a little more and not give Micah Parsons or Demarcus Lawrence or anybody enough time to get to them, then you know there there is a possibility that this thing could become a high scoring game. I feel like it's going to be on the lower side. The total is forty seven and a half, which feels high for a team for this game. But I guess they're thinking, doubt like if the. Dallas's offense is going to have a big day and, and Dallas's defense maybe slows up a little bit, but they're favored. I don't know. It's, it's a weird game and a, a couple rat lines out there. Yeah. Yeah. But I said, it's an important game. And it, it, you know, the Eagles want both teams to lose. Um, by the way, I wanted to mention, let's go all the way back to the very beginning when you said it's the Eagles biggest rival for the number one seed and biggest rival for the division. And so, which means just like the betters, just like most experts, you also discredited the giants who technically are closer 
than the you know they're, they're right. set. They only have two well, they haven't that, played the Giants yet, right? So like, no, no, I know, I know. But you mentioned like the biggest. You said the biggest threat to the Eagles in the NFC. So you, you were talking about the Cowboys, and I, I'm I agree with you. By the way, I'm just this was a curious. You I think from an Freudian eye slip. I meant it from an no, it wasn't a Freudian slip. I I did point out the Giants. Um, not a Freudian slip. I think you believe that the Cowboys are a bigger threat than the Giants. From the eye test, so, I do. I yeah, firmly mm-hmm, do. And sure. part of that is. The fact that the Eagles haven't they have a win over the Cowboys, so they at least have that. But then, but they haven't played the Giants yet, so there is something of they need to play them and see where they're at in terms of the measuring stick there. Mm-hmm. And frankly speaking, you know the Giants the Giants have lost to the Cowboys. We've beaten the Cowboys. There's something there to that. And I'm not as like we've played the Giants teams where it's all funneled through the Saquon game before. Or the Eagles have. I'm not. I'm obviously not on the team, but you know it, their defense isn't anything really to write home about at this point. The Giants isn't. The Cowboys certainly is, and we saw how that game went. And you know it. It becomes that really interesting. Oh, I don't. I don't have points for and points against on uh this uh the standings page I was going to look at. But you know, regardless, it's it's just one of those things that I think by eye test until you play the Giants, you can't really make a comment on threat one way or the other I do for I joke about it all the time but I do still firmly believe they'll pro- the Eagles will probably go one and one against the Giants and it'll be a huge deal but still you know their offense doesn't score a ton their defense lets up more than the Eagles and Cowboys have granted six points more than the Eagles in the same amount of games but you know the Cowboys are more of a threat I I'm in agreement there 100 percent anyway back to this Cowboys game yeah, I think I I don't know. I think if the if the Vikings pull it out, it's tougher for the Eagles because that one seed's so important. But it's a better thought because it gives you more cushion for that game in Dallas. Again, they still have to play the Giants twice, so that's really where you know, some of the separation will happen. But I don't know. I feel like the Vikings winning is almost better even though it keeps the Eagles on the razor's edge for that, that buy in the first round. Yeah. I mean, you, you got to win the division, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, that's what matters the most. Yeah. So yeah, I'm probably with you. I'm rooting for the Vikings. I can't root for the Cowboys. Yeah. You can't I mean, root for I the Cowboys. I'm sorry. Yeah, you can't root for the Cowboys. Can't Man, do it. <laughs> the, the rest of the slate. So we mentioned it a little bit, the Sunday night football game, which, you know, if it's a close game, like I said before, that's bad for the Chiefs. The Chiefs, again, eye test, look so much better than the Chargers do. Their offense could be better if Tyreek Hill was still there, but certainly the Travis Kelsey connection's there. It looks like Pachenko is becoming the the running back at large, but who the hell knows? Andy Reid loves to shuffle up running backs. But then, you know, you still don't have Nicole Hardman. You'd love to see another big you'd love to see a big game out of Juju, or at least a Steelers esque Juju run. But on the Chargers side of things, they're still banged up. I don't know why this is only five points. I guess because it's a road game. Division game too. Yeah, and division. You're right. You're right. Division game. But 52 points for a five-point margin, you really don't have a lot of a lot of confidence. And granted, again, not that anybody cares. I have Justin Herbert in a couple fantasy leagues. He has been hot garbage in terms of thing in terms of racking up points. He gets some yards, but he just can't find his receivers, and it doesn't seem like he has a connection. With anybody, because Keenan Allen's hurt. Yeah, I mean, this is a game 
the Chargers come in super high hopes. They get they 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 get all these guys. And to your point, I know they've been injured, right? But at some point, Justin Herbert needs to say he has been touted as a top five quarterback in this league. A pretty people were saying before this season, like, hey, outside of Mahomes and Allen, like Herbert might be my number three if I was pick, if I had the first overall pick, right? If I was you know redrafting the NFL, he would be up there. And we've seen him put up the numbers, but not necessarily win the games. Now, sometimes it takes a little bit for a young quarterback. So I'm not th- I'm not saying I wouldn't keep him up, but he hasn't won. He's kind of getting a little Matthew Stafford to me. Where, Interesting. And I know the Lions are different than the Chargers, but the Lions had a lot of talent around Stafford uh, from a skill position perspective, right? Calvin yeah. Johnson. The the Chargers have a lot of talent around. You know, I mean, I know they're injured, right? So that doesn't help. But you know, Mike Williams. They also might be the the. I, I'll be honest with you, they might have the worst like the least amount of depth from a wide receiver core that I remember in recent history, because Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, after that, they've got nothing, right? And like most of their teams have a one or two wide receiver. Like Palmer and Carter don't scare me. So I would not be surprised if they went to try to find another weapon because Allen's not getting any younger and Mike Williams, who I like, but you know, he's been injury prone. So they don't have a great tight end, but I don't know. I mean, it just seems like it just seems like Herbert, gets a lot of praise, but doesn't win a lot of games. And not saying he can't turn around, but it's just, it's just, it's a curious development, I guess is the best way I'd put it. It's just, they're like the, the team embodiment of Jeff Fisher in the entire Justin Herbert era. They cannot find their way to get anywhere way above or way below 500. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's just wild to me. And they're probably going to be five and five after this. So, you know, yeah, I agree. the record isn't going any higher. And then Monday Night Football, yep. you mentioned you you kind of gave it away before, but the the Arizona Cardinals, not great at home. No, and I, you know I, I I'll probably watch, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think this is a pretty easy. Uh, I think the 49ers win this game. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I haven't so seen. Anything. There's just no punch. There's no punch. <laughs> Excuse me. There's no punch from this uh, this Cardinals team. You know, there, there's a lot of infighting, and they're probably going to go through a coaching change. Um, their defense is gettable. Their defense is really gettable. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. But I think the card or the the 49ers kind of on a different trajectory since that Chiefs game, right? They add Christian McCaffrey. They really mm-hmm. let him loose against the Rams, and now they've really, you know, I know they only beat the Chargers by six points, but like they seem to start to find their identity again of, you know, using Christian McCaffrey, using some of those other running backs, their defense really tightening the gauntlet. It just feels like this type of game. I know DeAndre Hopkins has been good since he got back and he's you know been obviously a big part of that team, but I feel like they know how to key into this, into this Cardinal team and can contain Kyler Murray, contain DeAndre Hopkins, losing Zach Ertz, I know he hadn't been that huge of an impact player on in terms of receiving, but I feel like he was a veteran presence. He was a good blocker. It just feels like the team, you're right, there's infighting. Their defense is really nothing to write home about. And this could be a grind-out game. It's a big line, so maybe because divisional game on Monday Night Football maybe a little closer, a la last week. But I really can't see a situation where Kyler Murray figures out a way to squeak this thing out unless Jimmy G runs out of an end zone again. Yeah, I mean, again, and 
Yeah, no, I disagree. I, I'm with you 100. percent I yeah. think. Uh, yeah, I, I I just don't. This is just not a good Cardinals team, in my opinion. No, and they, you know, it's kind of the same things as they what 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 were they seven and one last year, and we kind of we had the same thought of just like, you know, they're good in September and October, but show me it November, and they always sort of find their find their way to just fall flat, and that's the same thing here, and you know, it's just nothing. It's nothing to write home about. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Bud, any last thoughts on the NFL before we uh, start to wrap this thing up? We're finally starting to see some teams bottom out, which was, you know, maybe not surprising, but, um, uh, you know, interesting to see some of these teams kind of fall all the way down to the wayside. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm all thinking about the Eagles right now. It's a big, uh, it's a big week for them. And I'm getting nervous already because this is what happens when you're a Philadelphia fan. Exactly. Can't have anything can't nice. Have anything can't nice. have anything nice. Can't have anything nice. Nope. Mm-hmm. Sixers are in a, a weird, weird tiff. The Flyers are starting to lose, which is both good and bad. Mm-hmm. But we have Lehigh Loft this week. Battle of the the garbage. Two and eight Lehigh versus three and seven Lafayette. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Just matter. All, all that matters is the one win. Mm-hmm. But it should be a fun game. You know, I know. Uh, I know you're the the most diehard of all diehard. Lehigh football fans, man. But uh, Lehigh coming off an incredible win against Colgate on Saturday. On senior day, their final home game, where they had to grind it back. They won 36-33. to Lafayette coming off a loss to Fordham. Fordham, obviously, a very good program. Um, Lehigh, Lehigh lost to Holy Cross a couple weeks ago uh, in more of a triumphant fashion, if you will, than Lafayette did, losing a close one at home. Should be an exciting game, like you mentioned. You can throw out, you know, as much of a cliche as it is, throw out all the record books. When these two meet, our freshman year, Lafayette just needed to beat Lehigh to win the Patriot League. Lehigh won, and it should be fun. Dante Perry, the quarterback, really exciting to watch. Their defense hasn't been outstanding, but Lafayette's offense hasn't really been that great. They don't gain a lot of yards. They're uh, towards the bottom of the FCS, Matt, so... Let's hope for a Mountain Hawk victory and a bird school sweep with the Delaware Villanova game I mentioned before. Now, I want to point out before we go, I just caught a stray there, okay, about not being the biggest Lehigh fan, but I'm the one tailgating, you know, this coming weekend for the game. I'm kidding. That was a yeah. joke. You're not even going I mean, to it's not a joke. It's true. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah but I mean, you're in I'm, you know. You're not in okay, okay. You're on the Lehigh All right. You know what? You know what? You know what? I do hope we have a sweep this weekend. I'll give you that yeah, much for exactly. sure. Exactly. See? See? Nobody wants Philadelphia to win, except for me, Joe Mart. But anyway, um, I did have one last thing. One last question. Uh, Joe Mart's out here catching strays. Good Lord. Okay. The, all the Villanova people. They, they all caught a stray there. Go go, bird schools. Um, shit, what was I going to ask you? It was a Philly-related thing. Um, I don't remember. But anyway, Matt, any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up? Nah, go birds. Go birds, baby. Well, for Matty D, I am the G-Man. Have a great weekend, everybody. Like Matt just said, go birds. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby.